ladies. I'm so proud of my husband, Marshall, an Army veteran. A few weeks ago, he was the guest speaker for the annual Red River Valley Veterans Day service in Texas. He spoke of the three characteristics exemplified by members of the armed services, fitness, discipline, and trust. He shared a few stories of his experience in the military and highlighted three fellow military members. He also included a story about military family members. We are so thankful for our experience as a military family and want to share just a little bit with you during November's Veterans Appreciation Month. Thanks for listening. You know, speaker today is retired U.S. Army Colonel Marshall Daugherty. That name might ring a bell with you if you've lived in Paris very long. His dad was a uh, pathologist in Paris for years and years and years. He grew up in Paris, graduated Paris High School in 1982. Is that right? Yes, sir. Attended Texas A&M University. Woo! Graduated in 1986 and commissioned into the U.S. Army. His 32 years of service took him to postings throughout the United States, Germany, Southwest Asia, and Korea. He commanded at the company, squadron, and brigade levels and served as chief of staff of the 2nd Infantry Division. Marshall led soldiers in Iraq through several deployments where he was twice decorated for valor in combat, and his formations were awarded two presidential unit citations the highest unit recognition our nation bestows for extraordinary heroism in action against an armed enemy. In retirement, Marshall is the founding partner of Mission Next Capital, where he enjoys <clears throat> helping veterans buy and run profitable businesses. Marshall currently lives in Kansas City with his wife of 32 years, Gracie, and their appointing lab, Chance, and they have two adult daughters. <laughs> Well, thank, thank you, Johnny, and uh, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for being with us here today as we celebrate Veterans Day and honor everybody who's worn the uniform of our military in the service of our country. Just a fantastic uh, day, beautiful day for it, and thank you for all that you've done to put this event on, the band, the color guard, everything you do. I tell you, Paris, and the Red River Valley really does it right to support the veterans and, and uh, should be proud of yourselves. And I, I certainly appreciate it. And it's a joy to come back here and, and see this. And, and thank you for the honor of being here today. I tell you, I, I have a special heart, place in my heart for veterans, of course. And I, uh, I'm just proud of what we're doing here. And sometimes I consider myself an accidental veteran, or at least an accidental career soldier. As, uh, as Johnny said, I, uh, I had no intention of staying in the Army as long as we did. My wife and I joined the Army when we were young. We thought, man, that'll be a good adventure. We'll go and do it a couple of years, and then we'll, we'll get that out of our system and come back and lead a nice, normal life. We had no intention of staying in this long. And I know my mom sitting right here, she didn't have, that wasn't her plan for, for us either. But we did, as it turned out, we were right. It is an adventure, and we absolutely loved it, and so we kept on doing it. And, we, and, and what made it such a special adventure for us was the people, the team, and the veterans that we serve with and that we, we have in a room here today and that we honor here today. And I was talking before this, veterans have a wide range of experience depending on when you serve, where you serve, what service you served in. 
and uh, what, what your job was. And I was talking to Johnny Lawrence about their service in the Navy during the Vietnam, very different than my experiences uh, in the Army in the middle of a desert. But as you talk to the whole spectrum of veterans, and, and you all know this, we're all bonded together by a couple of common themes, and that's a service to our country, and then the bond of the comradeship of the team that you're serving on, that you're serving with on a job that's just tough. I mean, that teamwork and that service to country, those two common themes. And more specifically, it's the people and the tremendous bond of teamwork that we forge in the service. And really, I say it's based on the foundations of fitness, discipline, and trust. And I want to dig into that a little bit. And by fitness, I mean that you're not only physically fit, but you're also mentally, emotionally, and spiritually fit. And each person's got to define what spiritually fit means to them, but it's an important aspect to be ready to do what you need to do, given the nature of the business, the nature of the missions, and its inherent risk. By fitness, I don't mean just the individual fitness, but the fitness of the whole team. Because you're a member of the team, you're a leader, and so you're responsible for everybody, not just yourself. And by discipline, I mean that you do what's right and what needs to be done, even when it's hard, even when it's dangerous, you're miserable, you're tired, and nobody's watching. You just get it done. And by trust, I mean others know that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. They trust in your moral character, your professional competence, and your expert judgment. You're a member of the team. You gotta trust you. And so throughout my time in the Army, I've been blessed by having, surrounded by a team that were just models of fitness, discipline, and trust and today, I just want to share a few examples, a few stories with you and highlight, you know, some of the reasons why I think veterans are so special and why they're so important to our society. So the first is Lieutenant Joe Nolly. So Joe's platoon was serving as, for a period of time as my squadron quick reaction force while we were engaged in a large offensive operation in Iraq. So one night, we got a call that a Black Hawk helicopter had been shot down. It had 12 soldiers aboard it. it actually is a Black Hawk helicopter from the Texas National Guard, as a matter of fact. So Joe and his platoon were standing right outside of my, my command post in the field. They were in four armored striker vehicles. This is an armored vehicle, eight tires, they were ready to go. But where this helicopter was shot down was too far in bad country. We weren't gonna be able to do it. So I brought Joe in and I said, look, look him in the eye and give him his mission. Say, you're gonna have to reorganize, get your men equipment, weapons, ammunition, water supplies, whatever you need. In 20 minutes, I'm gonna ask the helicopters to pick you up and you can go help, help these folks out. So he looked me in the eye, salute, said, yes, sir, we'll make it happen. So, so about a half hour later, they were on the way and we knew that the enemy was moving toward that down helicopter, and we knew that his platoon would have to secure the site for at least 24 hours. But they got hopped to it, and they got there quick and started to facilitate that rescue and recovery. Within a half hour of arrival, the enemy attacked them in force with small arms fired machine guns and mortars from three directions. So Joe and his men fought off and on for the next 24 hours. 
without rest, expertly calling in artillery and attack helicopters to beat back that enemy. The crash site was in the middle of a, a dusty open field and the sun beat down on them in the midday 115 degree heat. They were wearing full kit, body armor, drinking hot water, but they were tenacious. They held on, they did what they needed to do. In the end, we were able to rescue that entire down crew and recover that down helicopter. After the next night, picked it up with another helicopter and took it out of there and killed a significant number of enemy. Now, why were they successful? It's because Joe Nolly and his, his soldiers had developed that fitness, discipline, and trust, developed that teamwork long before they took off to go on that fight. So they carried the day. I'll give you a second example I want to share. It's Captain Al Bangura. I tapped Al and his cavalry troop to conduct an air assault, so an attack using helicopters flying to, to attack the enemy. To conduct this air assault in the Diyala River Valley in Iraq, just south of Bakaba. And most folks think, picture Iraq as a vast desert, and most of it is. But along the rivers, I mean, it's kind of, that's where the Garden of Eden was, right? We think, maybe. And so along the rivers, it's actually quite lush with date palm trees, and in between the date palms, citrus, orange, lemon, lime trees, pomegranate trees. I mean, it's pretty darn lush. And along the river, the mosquitoes and the humidity add a special touch to that 115 degree heat. I mean, it's just brutal. But Al and his uh, troops, they landed and they were making their way north along the river to, to attack their first objective when uh, machine gun fire rang out of, the, out of the grove, hit them from a flank. So Lieutenant Ron Vineyard immediately led his platoon to the sound of guns, which it turns out were coming from a large farmhouse hidden in the grove, pretty nice big farmhouse. The lead element of the platoon suddenly found themselves face to face with about 15 Al-Qaeda terrorists streaming out of this building uh, for the attack. The fight was quick and violent, up close and personal. Sergeant Kevin Somerville, Private First Class Mark Sierra and their team killed several enemy with their M4 carbines and hand grenades. I mean, it was close. Sergeant Somerville was shot through the arm, but he continued to leave his, lead his fire team in the fight. Captain Bangura expertly maneuvered his three platoons and called in an Apache attack helicopters to, to kill the enemy as they fled. Lieutenant Ron Vineyard then carefully entered the farmhouse with his, with his men. It was booby-trapped, they took care of that, and it turns out the enemy had converted that house into a prison and a torture chamber of an unspeakable horrors. For many of the prisoners, it was too late. But for a number, Al Bangura and his troop were answered prayer. And I'll never forget the uh, tears of joy and the cries when they were reunited with their family. And indeed, those liberated prisoners are living because Captain Bangura and his troops developed that fitness, discipline, and trust in themselves and built that team long before they showed up on that battlefield. Now many, when I tell that story, they're surprised that Al is short for Al-Haji. So Captain Bangura, Captain Al-Haji Bangura is a practicing Muslim. Al's an immigrant who came to this country from Sierra Leone when he was nine years old with his family fleeing a civil war there. His father is a university mathematics professor. His mother is a nurse. Two of his sisters are medical doctors and one's a, a nurse practitioner. 
Al chose to serve his new country. His oldest son was recently commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Army to follow in his father's footsteps. I gotta tell you, Al's one of the greatest warriors and finest persons I've ever had the honor to serve with. And I'm proud to call him a friend, and he's a proud American veteran. I tell you another instance, Sergeant Hester, young Sergeant Hester, was part of a military police squad consisting of 10 soldiers spread out across three Humvees. Humvees, big Jeeps, armored Jeeps with machine guns on top. They were escorting a 30-truck supply convoy of gasoline tankers. Well, if you can imagine the stress of doing that in a combat zone. They were escorting that gasoline tankers when they were attacked by about 50 insurgent fighters. They ambushed them with AK-47s, machine guns, and rocket-propelled grenades. So Sergeant Hester immediately moved the squad to the side of the road to flank the insurgents and cut off their uh, escape route. Hester dismounted and maneuvered the fire team through the kill zone and then began attacking up a trench line to break the ambush. They assaulted the trench line with hand grenades, M203, grenade launcher rounds, and, and light machine guns. Sergeant Hester assaulted and cleared two trenches. During the 25-minute firefight, Hester killed three, three of the insurgents up close and personal. And when it was all done, 27 insurgents lay dead, six were wounded, and one captured. For this leadership under fire, Sergeant Hester was awarded the Silver Star. As Sergeant Leanne Hester, she was the first woman to be awarded the Silver Star since World War II, and she was the first woman to be awarded the Silver Star for valor in close combat of that nature. She's a perfect example of fitness, discipline, and trust, and she's a proud American veteran. Now, when I think about our veterans, I can't help think also about our veterans' families, the spouses, kids, parents, and siblings back on the home front while their loved one is in harm's way, especially the kids. Our youngest daughter, Victoria, is 22 years old now. She has no real memory of a time when her father, me, wasn't deploying to go fight, and the, and the parents of her friends are going to deploy and fight and rotating back and forth. She doesn't have a memory of that. It's the... Uh, normal for that generation of, men, of, of military kids, <laughs> but it really shouldn't be. With the profound impact this has on families, really hit home for me one time when I was at, uh, we were stationed at Fort Lewis in Washington State, beautiful area of the country. We were stationed there and I was back home between deployments. We had two major units on that post, and so one would deploy while the other was back home, training, refitting, getting ready to go again, and then we'd swap out. So I was at home, and one day I went to have lunch with my daughter at school in her second grade class. And I was walking up to the school, I saw that the flag was at a half-mast, and it was at half-mast uh, in honor of soldiers, fallen soldiers from our post. And you see, a few days earlier, our sister unit that was deployed had a really tough day. One incident, one fight, they had 16 soldiers killed and 72 wounded. It was a really tough day. And many of the fallen wounded had kids that attended that elementary school. So it struck me that not only did these kids know 
really understand the meaning of that flag at half mast, each and every one of them has some deep personal connections to those lost and hurt, either by their parents or the parents of their friends in school, in the class with them. And this school is right across the parade field from the post chapel, where we have all the memorial ceremonies for our fallen soldiers. And so imagine the sight of the playground at recess, the kids out playing and having fun. And then suddenly, the first volley of a 21-gun salute echoes through the evergreens. The kids immediately stop playing, come to the position of tension, and face the chapel. Some place their hands over their heart, some salute like they've seen their parents salute. As the second and third volleys ring out, they maintain their salute, their hand over the heart. They remain at attention as the notes of a bugle sounding taps drift across the parade field in honor of the fallen soldier. And to me, this is a perfect example, this image is a perfect example of how deeply the experiences of a veteran is woven throughout the fabric of the family. They're absolutely a critical part of the team and part of the camaraderie that the veterans experience. So these are just a few stories about veterans and why I think that they're so special and important to our society. And as we recognize and thank veterans, I encourage you to back your words with some action. And as you all know, I'm sure there's a large number of organizations and efforts, many of them represented right here in this room, to help veterans in many different ways. And thank you for your support of those and, if you, and I would say encourage those and those that you knew to pick one of those that fits you and then support it with your time, talent, and treasure. And I know you already do. Thank you for what you do. I tell you, one of my favorite ways to help veterans is to put them into work in a job where they can be part of a team again and to capitalize on their superpowers of fitness, discipline, and trust. Give them a chance to become a valuable member of your team, whatever that is today. And for example, of the heroes that I mentioned today, Lieutenant Ron Vineyard is a successful financial advisor. <laughs> Sergeant Kevin Somerville recovered from his wounds, went to college, and is now a pilot for the Air National Guard and, and for a major airline as well. Private First Class Mark Sierra, is a head chef at a top country club down in San Antonio. I can't even get into it to see him, but <laughs> and he's something of a local celebrity. He's just really killing it. Sergeant Leanne Hester is a law enforcement professional. Other soldiers in these fights that I didn't necessarily mention by name have gone on to be a county prosecutor, a regional manager for a national logistics company, a firefighter, a long haul truck driver, and a construction manager. They can figure it out. They can apply their, their powers of fitness, discipline, and trust, make teamwork happen. And one good way to connect in this regard is through the Veterans Opportunity to Work Act, or VAL Act, which provides a number of programs and incentives to companies to hire veterans. It includes one program, it's one of my favorites, it's called Hiring Our Heroes, where you can have, your company can have 
a transitioning military member come work for you for four months at no cost to you. They're still, they're still in the military, pay healthcare and all that, and they work for you for four months, no cost to you. And then you have the option to hire them as they leave the service if it fits right for you. It's a win for everybody. So think of it by hiring a vet. Tap into the power of their fitness and discipline and trust. Make them a part of your team. It's good for you, it's good for your vets, it's good for the company, it's good for our country. So thank you all and God bless.